Good morning. Let's talk about collaboration for a moment. There's a lot of companies out here in a remote world where the teams are siloed. This is not anything that's new. We've, we've heard about this. We've had the greatest consulting firms and consultants and researchers in the world um, study this work, understand why silos exist. So we're not going to try to dive too deep into that science or those variables. But something I do want to talk about is the following. Silos, we know, objectively, probably does not add to anything productive in a company, right? Yes, focus is important because I've actually had debates with folks where they say, well, when you, when you hop into silos, it can create more focus, more streamlined uh, attention to detail. Okay, maybe, maybe there's a smidgen of an argument there. But, but holistically and generally, I think we all can agree that collaboration brings a ton of value. Support for one another at a, at a real operational level, at a real expectation level, at a real streamlined level, brings uh, and drives a lot of value substantially, right? So let's dive into this. I was listening to Christine Comerford forward this morning. Someone that you've heard me talk about at scale is, is a... Is a is someone that I, I respect so much, uh, a mentor from afar for me. I've been studying her since I was 24, 25. Um, Christine coming forward is someone that really prides herself on understanding the brain, understanding neuroscience and connecting it to sales, connecting it to business, connecting it to partnerships, connecting it to building teams, connecting it to breaking down silos, um, connecting it to collaboration. Connecting it to making a bigger business and a more profitable business unit and just doing better, period. Let's just summarize it that way. And she was talking about something that I've personally seen and put in practice myself. She was talking about the importance of breaking down the silos and breaking down roadblocks that certain business units are having. So the example she gave was a group of sales folks within an HR tech company were having some struggles, right? Their their numbers were down on, you know, back-to-back months and they couldn't understand why. Now, this is very rare, but this particular HR tech company had a had a business unit uh had a call center And so what they did is, and what she did is she collaborated and combined the call center with the salespeople and put the call center in a position of power. Now, the call center, as we all know, there's no one inside that particular business unit that makes more than 35K a year, right? Now, the salespeople, they're at an 80 base, 100,000 base, 120, 150, 220 OTE, right? They're deemed and looked at, and the perception is they are more competent, valuable, impactful to the org. But in this particular scenario, these salespeople were having a hard time finding traction and and finding success. So what do we do? What's the next step, right? Well, what Christine Comerford did is she put the, the, the call center individuals in a position of power and said, what do you know? And gave them certain categories. She said, what do you know about... Um, the issues that customers may be having. What do you know about the reasons why customers may be feeling a little bit odd or weird or, 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 or angry or not as responsive to what we're trying to do here? What can you share with us that can help our salespeople? And next thing you know, the call people, the call center people, um, number one, had a complete 
you know, motivational boost in a way that they've never had before. Their 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 overall credibility with credibility within the organization uh, spiked, and they started rambling for three, four, five, six hours. Christine said over the course of multiple meetings and gave the salespeople so much in depth perspective and knowledge that the salespeople actually went back and recreated their 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 cold calling scripts recreated some of their uh their sales processes their 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 steps and inevitably got to the point where they had a newfound understanding of how they were going to close deals now just that alone just that collaboration spiked um productivity and sales by 15 percent and then christine took it a step further she said well what if we were to put the call center people in a position of sales power as well what if we were to put the call centers people in a position to drive warm leads or upselling leads, right, uh, to to some of the salespeople? You know, current customers, only current only current customers, current customers that are um, either extremely happy and could be happier, unhappy and could be made happy and whole. What if we were to put them in a sales position a little bit strategically? And what if we were to give them 10% of the upside, a slight bonus? And what if we were to take the 35,000 base salary and just increase it to 37,500, right? What's 2,500 takeout taxes? What's another 700 or $800 in a given year? Now, to these people, putting on the E1B2 hat, that's a lot. That's impactful. Another $800 a year? Post-tax, you know what that does for someone that has three kids and they, they've been on and off of welfare and, and having struggles? And Or do you know, do you, do you, do, what, without getting into the details, because that can get pretty sad, do you know what that does to someone that is in that financial state, in that position professionally? $800 more in a year, incredibly at a high level boost engagement and focus. And so the call center people immediately lit up and said, yes, I want to take on that opportunity. Yes, Christine, let's do it. Now, the CEOs were a little bit taken aback and paused for a minute and said, well, we can't afford it. And Christine looked at them and said, come on. Come on now, gentlemen. You can't afford $2,500 extra dollars for these 14 people here. You can't afford an extra 20, 28000 30000 you, you, you can't afford that. Come on. Come on, come on, John, right? She had one of those moments and John was like, look, we'll give it 90 days. She said, great. So their base salary increased over 90 days, just slightly, right? She sat down with each and every sales rep, or not sales rep, well, now sales rep a little bit. She sat down with each and every call center rep and understood their learning and development style, understood their communication preferences, understood what type of style they typically take uh, and have on these calls because every every call center rep has a different style has a different energy has a different has a different swag and aura to them and it took about three hours and next thing you know on top of that extra 15 percent of productivity and an upside there was another 30 percent right because now they were passing warm qualified upselling opportunities to the sales reps and so inevitably what happened is the following. The call center reps were making more for their families on both sides, the base and the, the upside. The sales reps were obviously being more productive because they were getting so much impactful insight from the call center reps. 
And the organization at a macro was obviously very happy, more productive and, and financially having more success. Now, what lesson can we learn from this? Number one, bust down silos. Bust them down. Rip them and tear them apart. Number two, operationalize this work. What does that actually mean? Moving forward, what Christine Comerford did is she put a quarterly check-in in place and a monthly one-on-one in place where she assigned per, per salesperson, I think they were assigned one or two call reps. So per sales, there were two, so a two-to-one ratio. And they would sit down over a 90-minute one-on-one each, just one time a month, and they would go through both the, the call center's perspectives on how things were going, insights, perspectives, adjustments, changes, things that could be done, tweaks, and then they did the same for the salespeople as well. The salespeople would bring their notes, their perspectives, their adjustments, their tweaks to the table as well. Now you have more buy-in and engagement. Now you have more respect within your organization and your culture, and you're getting objectively more bang for your buck and value. That cannot be disputed. This can happen across multiple business units and companies. Partnerships, people should be working with salespeople. Everyone knows that. Call centers, people should be working with salespeople. Right? Marketing people should be working with PR. Right? Product people should be, frankly, and, I, and I've seen this a lot with sales, with sales teams, sales teams should be put in a position of power to lead, to lead the charge and explain to product people what they need to, so, there's, so there's a nice alignment from a, from a cadence and speed perspective so you're not selling something that actually can't come true. And this typically happens in, in high growth startups when there are new product, new product rollouts and adjustments and things of that nature. The punchline is simple. If you do things like this, where you can create collaboration moments that are based in honesty, based in empowering people, based in based in allowing folks to really have a moment and have the floor to break down their perspective and based in trust and based in breaking down silos, a lot of good shit can happen. And pardon my French, but it's so it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful and it's so true. And so I just want to kind of break down this case study. I personally have put this, this practice in place by Christina, of course, who gave me this insight years and years ago. And I recommend everyone listening in a way that makes sense for them to put something like this in place. Find ways that you can break down silos, increase collaboration, and make some good stuff happen. Thank you.